Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Welcome to another edition of the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover as we talk about leveling up our financial knowledge. Here at the end of November, we just uh, had Thanksgiving, so hope everybody had a good holiday. And we're going to go through some uh, terms, terminologies, things of that nature that uh, may be helpful. You may know some of this. You may not. So Steve's going to help us with some of that financial knowledge. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Doing fine, Mark. How are you? Doing pretty good. How was your holiday? Very nice. Very calm. Very nice. That's nice. It's always good. Uh, this time of the year, many people enjoy kind of the starting to slow things down a little bit. And maybe it's a good idea to go through some of these terms as the year's winding down, as things to think about going into next year, or just to kind of understand stuff, especially if there's reviews on tap or uh, early reviews at the first of next year, things of that nature, right? So we'll go through a few different things and let you kind of school us on some of this stuff. And uh, let's just start off with a simple thing because we've been, you know, this year we've been flirting in and out of bear markets. Okay. Uh, so we, we're, we've had bull market for quite a while and it's dipped in and out depending on the indice a little bit this year with the different things that have been going on. So just kind of define what is a bull and what is a bear? Most people I think know this, but let's just kind of cover that first. Typically when you're looking at a bear market, you're looking at a market that's down over 10%. That's kind of getting in bear territory, but a full bear is right around 20%. Okay. Um, then when you're looking at a, a bull market, you're looking at the opposite. Uh, 10 to 20% means um, a, a bull market. So they're kind of extreme. So when they say, oh, we're hitting, you know, bear territory, it's anywhere from 10 to 20% in that time, in that frame. And so that's, that's kind of what they're talking about. Okay. And, uh, you know, so again, all this year, we've had a pretty rocky year, clearly, right? So different indices, tech took it pretty hard. Like, so the NASDAQ, uh, I believe was like kind of the first one to go into bear territory. I, I think at some point it was down maybe 30% or so. Uh, and again, it's been moving all around. It's pretty, a pretty volatile year. So let's talk about those different indices and just kind of run, a, run those down a little bit. Um, so most people, when people refer to the market, Steve, I think most of us are referring to the Dow. However, I think you guys as professionals refer to the S&P. Is that correct? We refer to the S&P or the Wilshire. The, oh, Wilshire, okay. the Wilshire 5000 is really more of the broad market. The S&P 500 uh, are 500 of the largest stocks out right. there. And each year, Standard & Poor's, that's what the S&P stands for, basically, they will weight the market on how they think it's going to go. So in other words, the S&P 500 is not a, a broad generalization of the market. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a... It's 500 stocks of the largest companies, but you may have certain sectors such as um, you may have uh, uh, technology, you may have banking or finance, uh, pharmaceutical that is weighted differently throughout the year on the S&P. So the S&P is not a static index. Mm -hmm. It can change. It can one year, give me an example, in the mid-2000s, the banking industry, because it was just going great, was heavily weighted, meaning it it had more stocks of financial institutions in the index than technology. 
Okay. So the each year they weigh it. So, but it's, it's what most people, you know, know, they, they know the S and P 500, the Dow is only 30 stocks. Yeah. And that's the um, funny one because a lot of times yeah. the news will say, oh, the Dow's up today. The Dow's down today. Yet it's really only 30, 30 companies. It's only 30 companies. So it, it, it does kind of move in step with the S and P 500, but the Wilshire 5,000 is, is 5,000. So if you want a real broad, mm, that's good to know how the markets are going to do. The Wilshire is the one that's going to give you the full picture of what the market's doing. But you know, for most people, the S and P is is a good index to kind of keep. The Dow really isn't a bellwether of how the market's doing. You know, if you have one or two stocks inside that Dow get hit hard for some reason, you could see the Dow go down significantly lower than the S and P five hundred. Yeah, and, and and speaking of that, and I mentioned the Nasdaq. So that one took is taking a pretty good beating this year, and that's because it's pretty tech heavy. So what is and is that kind of the Nasdaq's forte? Yes, the Nasdaq has always been very heavily uh, weighted towards the the uh, technology industry. Still is. Yeah, and so with so, a lot of those uh, those big fang stocks and things of that nature having a lot of trouble this year. Uh, that's certainly why that one has taken a big, a bigger punch. So, yep. you know, if as we're learning about some of the stuff we're kind of going through there, let's talk about a few other things. So dealing with different strategies inside the market, people hear things like buy and hold, right? So what is a buy and hold strategy versus something like an, like an, uh, an active or a day trading type of thing? Buy and hold basically is, is using the principles of, um, not timing the market, buying um, a true asset allocation, meaning a certain amount in bonds, mm-hmm. a certain amount in stocks, right. and letting time work for you in the market. So it's time in the market. When you buy and hold, you're buying it and you're saying, okay, I'm keeping the market's going to go up right? and down. Yeah, the market's yeah. going to go up and down for a period. But I know over time, it's going to be higher. There's the, the day trading is all speculation. So if you're a day trader, you're speculating, there are going to be wide moves in the market in order for you to make any money. Mm-hmm. So that's what day trading is. Okay. Um, there's also something called tactical. And tactical is where, again, that's kind of market speculation where you're you're thinking that one particular area is going to be out doing another particular area. Um, so you might invest tactically. So you're you're trying to time the market. You're trying to place your money in different um, asset classes gotcha. based on some quantitative information. Now, for a lot of you know retirees, pre-retirees, Steve, uh, you know some people they get into this thing of well, it's either the market or the cash, right? Especially when the markets are not doing well, we kind of have that response. But let's just say for overall, you've got a good plan, you got a strategy, you're working with someone. You know, like yourself, you're working with a financial professional who's who's got you a good plan in place. But maybe some people still like to have that play money, right? They have a little bit where they, they kind of enjoy uh, the ins and outs of the market. They want to be able to kind of do a little uh, buying and speculating and stuff like that. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, certainly, right? You don't want to risk more than your, obviously, that your uh, retirement can handle. But in that respect, what are some things when we're, if we go on to a site, if we're using, uh, you know, some sort of portal, some sort of company or whatever, and we've got a little account to do some things, what are some of the terms we see on there? What do they mean? Like the bid and the ask, and you got to say this carefully because it's <laughs> if you say it too right. fast, the bid ask spread. <laughs> what what are those? Bid, bid ask spread is is essentially the bid means what you're going to pay for that particular equity. 
stock. Okay. So you pay that amount. Mm-hmm. The ask is what you get to sell it for. So let me give you an example. Let's say you 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 call up your broker and say, okay, I'm looking at Apple, the and and they say the bid is a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And you tell them, okay, buy me one share at a hundred dollars. So you buy them a share at a hundred dollars. Then in 15 minutes, you call them up and ask the broker, how much is Apple at? Uh, Apple at? And they'll say, it's still at 100. You'll say, great, sell it. So you turn around, sell it. And then you look on your confirmation and it's like, wait a minute. I bought it at 100. You said it was at $100. Mm-hmm. But on my statement, I now um, have only $97 in my account. Okay. What happened? The, the, that's the spread between a bid and an ask. You sell it at a ask, you buy it at a bid. And that's kind and of the, the middle the middle ground person in there that kind of is doing some of the transactions and things of that nature, is that correct? That's right. So yeah. you're, you're, the brokers, the market makers, everybody on Wall Street gets a piece of that. So, and it doesn't matter whether you're a an institutional company like Fidelity mm-hmm. or Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, anybody. Uh, down to an individual investor. There's always a bid-ask spread. And that is the cost of doing the transaction. So when you're when you're seeing that, always remember you buy at the bid, you sell at the ask, and the ask is always lower than the bid. Now, my my example is kind of extreme. It's not going to be three dollars. Yeah, just to um, highlight it. Yeah. It, it's you. just it's just the way it works. But typically a bid-ask spread could be a cent, one hmm. cent. Per share, okay, two cents, three cents. But think for these these huge organizations, they're trading billions of shares of stock every single day. Yeah. So when you add up one or two cents a billion times, that starts to be real money. Sure. And, and is that yeah. the volume we see? Is is that is volume important in investing in the stock market? Does that affect us as is the little person? As you know, obviously, it doesn't affect us as large as something like you just described. But that's volume, right? Yeah, volume is a big deal. So your big wirehouses can get a better deal because they can, they're selling, you know, many, many, many more shares than you are. But typically, on an individual investor, they're getting lumped in with those transactions. Now, the there's something that's called best execution. So when you're you're online and you're placing your, if you're on, I don't care, E Trade or wherever you're 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 yeah, selling your platform. equities, yeah, yeah, you're. You you see it at your stock at a particular price on the ass side, and you try to sell it. You may not get that price because that order goes in, and they do a best execution, and it could be five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes later before your particular shares are sold. So that's that's kind of always the issue when you're when you're um, trading your own account is you got to be un- you have to understand the bid ask spread. And you also have to understand if you're only trading four or 500 shares of a stock, it's not going instantaneously mm, okay. to be sold uh, or bought for that matter. Okay. So there's always a drag in time. Well, we're talking again about, you know, just kind of leveling up our stock market knowledge or financial knowledge. Uh, we'll just do one or two more here, Stephen. We'll wrap it up. Uh, we saw a lot of this with some different things that happened over the last couple of years. People have heard about the term shorting the market. What is that? Shorting the market means you're betting that the market's going to go lower. What you're basically doing is saying that you're going to sell a stock at $100 to somebody, and you're going to rebuy that 
at a lower price at some point in time. That's what shorting is. So you're basically betting that the market's going to go down. So if we think about that GameStop thing about a year or so ago, uh, you know this hedge firm or whatever they they borrowed a bunch of stock. Basically, what they're doing they're borrowing it, buying it at a certain price, and that's when that other group kind of came in and kind of forced them to sell it at a price they did not want to do. They were trying to short it, but they got kind of caught in a uh, in a bad cycle. Is that kind of correct or yeah. close? That typically when you're shorting a stock, you don't actually sell it. What you actually do is borrow stock from somebody. Yeah. And then you sell it to somebody at a price, which you're hoping to buy it back from them at a lower price. Mm -hmm. At GameStop, they borrowed the stock, sold it. And then when they went to buy it back, it was higher than what they sold it yeah, for. The, the other sub side was trying to drive it up to cause That's that right. problem. So yeah. it, 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 shorting a stock, you can make a tremendous amount of money on it, but you can also lose a ton if mm-hmm. it goes the other way. Right. Um, there was a guy back in 2002, Jim Chanos is his name, and he runs a, a fund where he basically shorts everything. So he's betting against these stocks, and he made a ton of money when Enron went bankrupt. Oh, wow. He went in and sold, you know, he went in and did a short on Enron, and when it went bankrupt, he made an absolute ton of money. Hmm. Because you don't own the stock. You you basically borrowed it from somebody. You sold it to somebody else. And if it goes bankrupt, you buy it back at two cents on the share and you've made a big spread. Yeah. Well, and so the the point, you know, with the conversation this week was to share some knowledge, talk about some of these things that we hear a lot. We hear these terms kicked around. Maybe we know how these apply to us. Maybe they don't apply to us at all. But at the end of the day, Stephen, we're talking about, you know, financial uh, strategy for retirees and pre-retirees. You know, you want a good, strong, uh, you know, portfolio in place. You want diversification, all the other terms that we've you know, here many, many times. But at the end of the day, if you if you are dabbling in the market, certainly you need to know, you know, the ins and outs. You need to know some basics here so that you're not taking risks that you don't, you know, can't afford to take, basically. Exactly. And sometimes what will happen, just, just to be frank, is that a lot of advisors will use those terms. Oh, we're going to short the market. We're going to go long the market. Longs, obviously, you're betting on the market going up. Okay. You know, we got to worry about the bid ask spread and we, you know, tactical and so on. A lot of times they'll throw those that verbiage around mm-hmm. to sound really smart. When it comes down to it, it shouldn't be that difficult. My attitude is you buy good quality companies, hold them for a period of time and let the market do its thing over yeah. time. Yeah. And, and if, if you're going to put money in the stock market, you, you have to assign a behavior to it. And I always say, look, if you've had a teenager, you know that a teenager's behavior is going to be erratic. <laughs> it, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. You never know what that teenager's going to ha- that kind of day is going to be. Right. But you know, over time, they will mature and they will come out okay. I like that That's analogy. exactly how a stock goes. Yeah. The stock has the same behavior. It goes up, goes down. But over time, you're going to be okay. There you go. I like that analogy. And of course, that's all part of strategy. It's all about strategizing because what happens a lot of times, folks, is when we're having a, a down year or a rough year like this one, we do have the tendency to want to panic and, and we're not thinking about necessarily it's, short, you know, there's short term monies, there's long term monies, there's many different ways uh, that things are going to apply. So that's why having a good financial plan and a coach in your corner is helpful. And if you need some help, of course, Steve is here to do that. If you're already working with him, which you may be since you're checking out this podcast, that's fantastic. 
like. Uh, if you're not, share the message with others who might benefit from it or consider reaching out to him if you've got some questions and concerns. Find him online at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, The Retirement Pilot, on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. You can find all the information, on again, on the website at wealthpartnerskc.com. Steve's got more than 25 years helping people, uh, families, excuse me, get to and through retirement. Steve, thanks for hanging out and uh, sharing some terms, my friend. I appreciate you. Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. We'll see you next month right here on the Retirement Pilots as the year winds down. So uh, have yourself a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you right around the corner. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.